This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors, filmmakers, and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and today, well, today I am gosh darn delighted to welcome Brian Drummond, or Brain Drummond, as he says he got a lot of emails addressed to, to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Normally when I sit down to write these introductions, I head on over to the Internet Movie Database in search of a starting point. Often a role will leap out to me, or a trend will reveal itself, and away I go. And so that's where I headed in search of a starting point to write about Brian Drummond. And what I found there was a lot. So many credits, an overwhelming number of credits, 322 credits to be exact. That's more credits than I think any other individual to appear on this here podcast has accumulated. That discovery led me over to the YouTube and to a 12-minute video entitled 100 Rolls of Brian Drummond, which was preceded by a title card warning that the video contained a quote-unquote fair amount of screaming. And it did, but it also contained 100 distinct performances. I wouldn't have known that they were all voiced by the same performer had I not been instructed that it was so in that title card. So I guess my starting point is versatility. Brian Drummond is versatile. He's wielded this versatility in hundreds of performances in over 9,000 projects. That's a deep cut, a deep Brian Drummond reference, including The Deep, Ninjago, Corner Gas Animated, The Last Kids on Earth, The Hollow, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, Super Dinosaur, Lego Nexo Knights, Slug Terra, love Slug Terra, Wolverine vs. Sabretooth, Ultimate Wolverine vs. Hulk, and as Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z. Incidentally, I also found a dubstep remix of Vegeta saying it's over 9,000 on YouTube. The internet provides. So today we're going to talk about Brian Drummond's abundant filmography and what he does to bring something different to each and every role. Brian Drummond. Wow, what an intro. That's um that's that's amazing. I uh, I'm I'm excited to know that I've managed to keep working all these years. <laughs> Apparently the internet tells you this is true, so I guess it must be. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. Uh, any lies detected in that intro? 
No, no lies detected in that. That was some. Um, that sounds pretty right. I think the uh, the IMDb number might be low for uh, hmm. for what I know that uh, I've worked on and projects that I've worked oh, on. Oh, it's flawed. It's, it's absolutely always, it's flawed. It's always a bit flawed, and there's <laughs> even a couple things in there. And sometimes there's a random film. I'm like, no, don't think I did that movie. But you know, I, I too difficult to try and get it off as as it is to try and put things on. But. But it's pretty much in the pocket. Yeah, I've been at this for for a little while. Mm-hmm. This is true. So, how do you describe yourself then? You know, like what kind what kind of a voice performer are you? How do you get three hundred twenty two plus credits? Wow, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I still, I know I'm known as a voice actor and 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 that's oh, mostly uh, and what you I just do. brought the voice yeah just all of a sudden there uh, all of a sudden <laughs> saw it happen yeah um <laughs> but um i mean i trained in theater school at studio 58 here in vancouver and graduated from there and in 1991 that's hmm. where i met my wife actually she graduated in the same term as me so oh, we what? um we've been together for our 30th anniversary is next month amazing yeah. so wait so how old were you then when you first met when we met i would have been um just turned 19. You're same with yes. paul and i've been together 23 years we met first year of university we're little babies yeah just little babies i know everybody's want oh how could you have been together for that long because our kids are all grown up and everything but uh we met young and and it, it is a place when you go to theater school together it's uh uh, you get to know each other pretty well over six terms of the shit that you go through and, and the craziness that happens. So, mm-hmm. you know, lots of times people get married and they say, well, you should have some counseling where you talk about each other, really get to know each other. But we backpacked Europe and did crazy stuff together. But <laughs> You went to theater <laughs> school. That's counseling. Yeah, that, that's it. You, you learn everything about your uh, your future spouse in, in theater school. But yeah, so graduated in 91. So this is my... 31st year i guess heading into 32nd year as a professional actor in just in this city and um started though in in doing stage and children's theater with green thumb and when the playhouse was a thing was doing shows there and as did my wife and um and then all the local shows that were being done at the time the you know small parts in the the in commercials here in the x-files and and stargate and and all the local stuff da vinci's inquest all the stuff that was shot here in town but i played a lot of cops it was before i had i grew a beard and i was just sort of a cop looking young guy so lots of cops and fbi and and fema tech guys and and soldiers and it it kind of bored me after Hmm. um three years of getting to do just great characters in theater school and um i stumbled across i don't know you can't even remember who told me uh, about a um a sort of a symposium that was happening by this mainframe theater or mainframe production company that was going to talk about um this new series that was coming to town it was all cg which i don't even know what that meant at the time called reboot reboot yeah at and, mainframe. At, at mainframe and Aww. they were gonna talk about voiceover in the industry in vancouver and i thought well maybe i'll just go and it was literally like a a, a panel of people at a table mm-hmm. There were a couple of voice actors up there, Michael Donovan, who was directing at the time, and voice acting, and then some of the the owners of Mainframe and, and animation directors talking about the industry in Vancouver and what they really wanted to do and were excited about. And I was just an audience member. I took, I remember I had a pen and paper. I was so used to taking notes in school. I was writing things down and, and um, 
thought, this isn't, this sounds really cool. How do you even do this? I didn't even know voice acting was really a thing. Mm. I wasn't paying attention to it. But so I went to my agent, who Carrie Talent, who I've, I'm still with. I've been with Carrier since 1991. And um, although different agent now, Robert Carrier was my agent at the time. And I asked, I went and sat down and said, I'd like to do some voice acting as well. Is that possible? How could I do that? And Robert was like, voice acting? Um, what do you want to do? You want to be a radio DJ? What do you want to? He, he didn't. He wasn't even clear that there was money in it either. And it's yeah. like, no, like in cartoons. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I, we're trying to do film and TV and stuff. And that was how Robert talked. He was just a great, great character. I have a picture in my mind of well, how do you, he's animated, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. He's got glasses and a tie. Like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's really buttoned up. But yeah. he's like, why would you want to do that? Well, I said, well, just look into it. If something crosses your desk that looks like it's a cartoon, I want to read for it. And um, my very first audition actually ended up being a little bit after that. It took a while and uh, was for Reboot. They were recasting the lead role of um, uh, Bob. And I didn't get it, but I, I read for it and I thought it was nerve wracking and fun. But I did get the very next thing I went out for, mm. which was one of the leads on a new G.I. Joe series, which was called G.I. Joe Extreme. And I had played, I didn't really have any any kind of repertoire of voices but i but me and my uh, friend in theater school kevin who was the best man at my wedding we we were kind of at the time not so much anymore because not happy about his politics but we were big fans of clint eastwood at the time mm. and we just loved eastwood movies back in the in the in the late 80s and early 90s and i was always a fan of, of the older westerns so i kind of just he's nearing his eyes. yeah just the narrow so they had a character who was a sharpshooter called ballistic and they said sort of clint eastwood like i'm like oh i'm gonna read for that guy so i sort of did kind of a clint eastwood sort of thing for this guy and i booked that lead on that series but on it i was in the room with all these great guys that have been doing a ton of stuff for a few years already in Vancouver, like uh, like Gary Chalk and um, and uh, Ian Corlett was on it, and Michael Dobson was on it, and Colin hmm. Murdoch. All these guys that were just, you know, some were starting out, some were doing a bunch of stuff on it already. And I just watched and learned until I had my line and watched and learned. Sue Blue was directing it, who was uh, uh, the director of all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at the time. And just, it was a massive sort of, learning experience that I just got thrown into, um, which really helped me a lot to sort of see what people did and how they played with the microphone, how they came up with ideas, what direction in, in voiceover even was. And um, it just took off from there. Shortly after was Dragon Ball Z. I got Vegeta on that right away and a couple of other things. And then it started to build and build that I really started to move away from film and TV because voiceover was just kind of taken over. And by about 2000, that's all I was doing. That's all you were doing. Yeah. You know, I, I realized as you were talking and I was totally listening, I wasn't like, I just, <laughs> he's talking and I'm just like thinking about other stuff. But, you know, I mean, you talked about how the on-camera acting stuff you were doing yeah. was boring. Um, and yet, you know, it what you were what you were got to do were getting to do an animation does not sound boring at all. And I was thinking about watching, you know, your the twelve minute video, Hundred Rolls of Ryan Drummond. <laughs> That's like the opposite of boring, you know? Absolutely. Well I what I That wasn't a question. I was more like a launch path yeah statement. yeah well, well it, it was it was just um when you uh, go into theater school we got to do just i don't know we're 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 
trained to not be one thing, even even our, our in our bodies, where try not to hold yourself the same way all the time. Try not to get into, like I get into certain characters and, and everyone does a certain type of thing when they get into a role. And I said, try to just wash away sort of your physicality and, and you, so you can change your shape and change your voice and change how you speak and change your accent. We did accent stuff, all kinds of things. But in film and TV in Vancouver, which it was still exciting to be on set. Being in the movies was just exciting. I mean, that, that you know, sitting in hair and makeup and doing all that, it's fun. It's really exciting to be part of it. But the roles, not so much. Like, mm. it was just a lot of deliver information as a police officer to m get the scene moving forward. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, part of it probably wasn't maybe I just wasn't good enough to, to move into bigger roles or nobody saw me in those yet. And I could have pushed towards that, but it got sidetracked by the voice side of things. And after the first voice gig and what I saw people doing, I was like, wow, this pays like film and TV, but it's so fun. And it's done and it's done in a short period of time. I had started a family young as well. Mm -hmm. So. 16 hours on set and gone all the time was was uh, it's a lot harder to do than four hours when you have a nine to one session on an animated show and you make almost the same money as being on set all day long yeah, and you can have a life and you could kind of have a life and yeah. i thought this might just be better for my family and i love the i could be a character and play so uh, when you ask way back <laughs> early on about how do you do so many roles i'm I've I've always just sort of found a way to um, use the instrument that I had, which I've never really, most, most voice actors, a lot of them will say they don't really like the sound of their own voice. Mm. And I, when I hear my own voice, I don't go, wow, that sounds cool. It doesn't to me at all. Mm. But it always, it felt better when I could do fun stuff with it. So I, I was always playing around, trying to invent different ways to make things sound small or bigger or crazier or honestly aggressive and angry like in Vegeta and Dragon Ball Z and just fearsome and or cute or warm as a dad. Like I tried to, how do I, no one can see my face or my eyes or what I'm doing. How, do, how can I put that into the sound so you believe it and um but definitely the theater school work helped and that's what i always tell people to try to spend some of their time doing if they want to move into the the field is to learn about performance and learn how to act and how to um uh, center yourself and and work from that place and not just sort of mimic styles a lot of people will try and mimic this is what gaming voice sounds like this is what anime to voice characters sound like this is what radio voices sound like no i think just use what you have and find how your instrument is played right and not this is how others play it and i want to sound just like that guy well i use use your own everyone's instruments different which is great and um yeah it's it, it's been a it's been a blast to be able to work it but i do feel like i have to constantly re reinvent myself um mm. there was a point like you kind of i go through phases in this where when i was a little bit younger my voice i don't think has changed a ton but i would play little tiny guys like oh man like just the little voices and i'd, I'd be on a pile of shows with small characters and then all of a sudden i do one deep voice as an extra role and they liked it and also i'm doing big bad guys and then recently i'm playing monsters and stuff all the time because i've been playing around with sound effect type style things and mm. just to sort of always have to be 
something a little bit different that maybe no one else is is doing. Yeah. Um, just to kind of stay in the game, and I, I think that's helped me. I, I like your game voice. Yes, exactly. Stay in the game. <laughs> <laughs> what needs to be present in a role, or in a character, or in a description, to get you really psyched? Psyched to come up with a voice for it. Yeah, or get or get you really excited. Um, that's a great question. Um. I've pl- I think villains always get me more excited than 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 the heroes do. Uh, I don't know why. I, uh, heroes, you know, uh, are are great, <laughs> right? And but I feel like I had a voice that never, I never really landed the hero. And when I landed my first hero, I got fired after the first day, and I was devastated. So maybe that made me sort of move away from there. He's right on your back wall, right there, actually, Cyclops. Yeah. I got. Um, I was cast as Cyclops in in X Men series that first uh, was being done here in Vancouver, and we did an episode um, which I thought went really well with uh, everybody, the full cast. And then two weeks later, they were booking for the second episode, and I was put on hold for it. I'm like, great, we're on hold for the next day. Yeah. And then the day before, they're like, ah, they're gonna they're recasting like a number of the roles, and mine was one of them. They just wanted to make some changes. The LA directors were like, "We're just going to go a different route." Going to go a different way, and yeah, and I, I ended up playing a couple of side roles in the series, yeah. but I and was you've been Wolverine as well. Yeah, it was after, such an anti-hero, <laughs> yeah, right? After so. that, I got Wolverine, who was my favorite X Men. So to be able to too. do that, I got, was, I got a few X Men or a mm-hmm. few uh, Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, to be able to do that was was great down the road. But I was broken from that. I was just devastated because I think. Financially, it was at a time where I knew they're going to do 52 of these. Yeah. And I got the lead, who's going to be in every one. It just meant sort of some freedom. And I was a young family at the time. And I just like, I, it was it was rough to, uh, to not uh, keep that role. But it pushed me, I think, to know that I can do it because I knew I booked it. Yeah. So I was like, you've got the lead. That meant something was there that they wanted it, but just sort of, Sometimes when they get all the voices in the room, it's like, ah, oh, they never tell you the reason. Because I know when I talked to the the, uh, the director after, he said, I thought it went great. I don't know what happened. But they sometimes the higher ups go, well, he sounds too much like that guy. So let's change this guy because he sounds a lot like him. And it, when we can't separate them, when they sort of pre- piece together the mix. Yeah. And they make changes. So it's sometimes it's not what your performance or your voice or anything. It's just how it sort of worked in, in the whole and putting it together. But it made me confident that you can book roles. So there, there was even though it hurt, it was there was confidence that came out of it that I wanted to do more of this, and it pushed me to work harder and come up with new ideas. But the things that I always look for are, I like intense scenes. Um, I love comedy as well, even with 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 bad characters that are especially in the preschool stuff. They always are more comic based yeah. than real villains, like uh, you know, like Doctor Claw and stuff like that. Who I got to play for. For, uh, Inspector Gadget and the yeah. Gadgetinis, and, and that's what I grew up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I grew up on a, on on that show. To so to, to get a play a role like that with Maurice Lamarche was just a blast because he played um, Inspector Gadget at the time. But um, I I don't know. I've always just thought um, you have an instrument. Just keep trying to find new ways to play it. And because we all know the industry has changed and it's moving and growing, and it has to. It has to. I'm um, one of those. You know, and it's even, I'd even say it's a bit hard for me to, I get asked about interviews and, and things and, and I was excited to do yours because I think you, um, what I like about, uh, about 
the, the things we do. And I, I've always wanted to be someone in our community that that's, I know we're all kind of just a thread within our community, the things we do, but to be able to kind of weave together a fabric of, of who the Vancouver um, community mm. is. And, and I would, you do it with sort of all aspects from voice to film, to theater, to television. It's kind of everybody. Yeah. Um, I've, tried to do more of that just with parties and events and things that I've had in the in the voiceover community because we don't tend to get together very much and mm. um and and learn about each other very much um you have a, especially in voiceover you have a quick session you see somebody for four hours and you you take off and now two years we haven't seen anybody at all but um yeah that's got to be really that's got to be hard like has that cha- does that change the work at all you know the because I like I, you know, a lot of people and they always say Vincent Tong there. I'm like, you know, who's like, you know, the most fun and sad, like, oh, we love being with Vincent Tong. We all <laughs> get together and then he makes everybody laugh. And yeah. but now that, you know, you're you're either recording remotely or recording separately. Yeah. You know, how does that change the work and how the work feels and how the community feels? Well, I think it's definitely been detrimental to the community. Yeah, um, for sure. The work, I think we're all still professionals and all of us have done dubbing before. And it, when it, when you dub shows like Dragon Ball Z or Gundam Wing or all those shows that we did so many of, which still Death Note, which is another one of my favorites that Death I worked Note, on. Yes. Yeah. Um, when we worked on these shows, you still bring your best. You still have to do the work and, and do, bring your best to it when you when you show up to do it. Um, and you're by yourself with dubbing. You're by it's you and an engineer and a director, yeah. which is what prelay work turned into you an engineer sometimes director usually on on zoom um and the animation director sometimes on zoom but we the, i don't think there's a voice actor in the city that would say yeah I'm, i've been pretty happy to be able to just work at home and not have to see anybody in the in the studio there might be a couple maybe that are that are pretty happy with being able to just kind of do it on their own time but we miss it big time, even not just the, the work in the studio, but, you know, you take a break and every seven coffee in the hallway and talking about people's lives and what's going on with their kids and their family and where they went on a holiday or a con they were at and laughing our asses off and mm. coming up. You know, it, it's just it's community. And that's been taken away by by the events of the past couple of years and something yeah. we used to do regularly. My wife and I, we'd have big a uh, couple of times a year, sometimes big Star Wars parties and. Christmas time, we'd have a huge party at our house with and have. No, no, I'm sorry. I love Christmas. Let's go back. (laughs) Whoop! Star Wars party. Tell me about a Star Wars party. What is Uh, a Star Wars party? How do I get an invite? (laughs) I will come cosplaying. Exactly. (laughs) Well, we um uh, we we did we started it. I think just with a with a bunch of my buddies. We kind of did a movie night in the summer, maybe about five years ago. I can't remember even what. I think we went to see Planet of the Apes because a friend of ours, Michael Adamthwaite, was in it, and we wanted to see see Planet of the Apes together. So about maybe 10 guys or let's do a movie night. But we thought, well, we'll just sort of have some pre-drinks at my place. And I had a a phenomenal penthouse in in New Westminster that was beautiful. Mm. We moved downtown. So now I live in a a cube downtown. But we had a great place that we had in New West. uh, And we just had a party. And then we thought, let's do a few more of these to build community. So I think that Christmas, we a, a new Star Wars might have been coming out or something. Maybe it was a... I can't remember. There was we've done a few of them, and then it turned into um, uh, the newer Star Wars. We went. We we had one Christmas because they always come out at Christmas, so we mm-hmm. did a big party with 
over 100 people. So we, they'd all come to the house and we'd have appies and drinks and everything. And then we'd all go to the theater and fill a theater. You wear a costume? Um, no. Well, we'd wear some people wear Star, Star Wars stuff, um, but not. We had more stuff at the party than actually to go to the theater. You could dress up if you want, but it wasn't a cosplay type event. But we had like lightsabers around and, and Vader helmets and things oh, and stuff. So it was awesome. pretty fun. I had I had a. a a sci-fi themed baby shower but it wasn't, oh, nice. it wasn't even a shower it was a baby dance party like it was <laughs> and people came if they wanted to dressed up most yeah. people did and yeah. it was just so rad like i just i don't know why we as grown-ups think that like we like when we're a kid we have themed parties right yeah. like, this is my dragon party this yeah. is my unicorn party. and then we get older and we're like Okay, well now here's some alcohol and some chips. It's like no, we're grownups now. We can actually we can enjoy still it dress up more. Yeah, you know. So yeah. it's like I like I told Paul Reese, I'm like I want a Batman birthday party. Yeah, yeah, and like I I like because I want people to dress up and I want loot bags and you know it's still gonna be grown up. Yeah, there's gonna be cocktails and stuff, but yeah. you know I want a pinata. Like I want to exactly. <laughs> exactly. I want. You want to find... see all your favorite people in the Catwoman suits and Batman outfits. Yeah. And... And yet, and penguins and joke them on. I'm going to be Nightwing. Uh, oh, okay. There you go. Why not? Um, well, it's, I don't know. To me, it's, it, these things have always been about, partly about the, the geekiness that we love movies because yeah. we're in the business, but partly about community. And what I liked about it is we, um, it was an opportunity and nobody really even talked about work. I wanted it to be something like we're not talking about the shows you're on or what you're doing. It was just a place to t hang out and have drinks with friends and, and be humans, and, be humans yeah. and not be like, what are you up to? What's this? And it, let's it, network it, now. It, it wasn't. Yeah, it <laughs> no, wasn't that. None of that. It wasn't like you're going to, you know, Whistler Film Festival and everybody's trying to network somewhere. It's mm. it, it just wasn't. We knew we all knew each other, but and we we're all on shows together. And we and I'd invite sort of some of the newest people in the business, yeah. some that have been around forever. So it's not just, you know, the old timers. It's it's everybody that that. I could think of, and um, we're looking forward to trying doing it again. I talked to Nicole about it. We're doing. Try, we'd love to try and do another big one uh, this summer. Would be would be would be great to just rent a space and have a she big party for all the people. The hostess with the most hostess. <laughs> exactly, exactly. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, so as as you've mentioned, yeah. You've been doing this a little while. A little while. A little yeah. while. Yeah. Um, and we can talk. I mean, we've talked a bit about how. Um, you know the the way that you do the work has changed. Yeah. How has the work itself changed? The shows, the <clears throat> characters, the way things are written. Have you noticed any? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Do tell. Spill. Yes. Yeah, but well, and I'm um, I am one hundred and ten percent for it. I um, uh, the change in in scripts and the change in demographics in the show. We've needed it for a long time. Mm. Um, and uh, even just doing this interview, I, I feel like, you know, I'm not someone who should be sitting here. I'm a middle-aged, um, uh, privileged, um, successful white dude, right? Like we get enough fucking airtime around the globe already, right? Uh, it, that's just 
the truth. I mean, I'm not a boomer, so I worked a little bit for what I got. I mean, I didn't buy a $20,000 house in the west side of Vancouver that's now worth $6 million, you know, 40 years ago. I didn't do that. But um, I couldn't even afford my first down payment on anything until I was in my mid to late 30s before mm-hmm. I could start. So, I mean, I... but. Uh, I've worked hard to to get where I am, but I I I also feel like that came um, on the on the backs of other people that deserved opportunity that I was just given mm. because I'm a white guy. Yeah. I mean, some of the first shows I worked on, and and I I wouldn't think about them when I was on, when I was on it, but when I look back, I know how um, uh, how it should have been different mm. um, from the uh, the GI Joe type series to. Um, uh, masters of the universe. Like I remember being on uh, so many shows where there were 12 white guys um, and all very talented, you know, great, great voice actors, you know, just a room full of us and maybe Nicole and Blue Mancuma, right? Mm. Uh, you know, and that's it. And then the next show, uh, you had 10 white guys and then maybe, um, you know, Kathleen Barr and uh blue man kuma yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean that's what that's what every show was in yeah. the in the 90s and you don't think about it until now and then um uh, recently i was on a series where there was probably uh, of the 16 or maybe a dozen leads i was the only straight white male hmm. of all of us um uh uh, different um, ethnicities and uh, gender and sexuality, I mean, the whole show, yeah. animated show. And I remember thinking, this is an amazing step. Yeah. And I know for a fact it means way less work for me, but I also know for a fact it means way more work for others. Yeah. And it's um, it's about fucking time is what it is is what it is so i still want to work in the industry and i'm reinventing the things i can do you know they still need the odd old white grandpa here and there or santa claus or something right i'll do what i need to do and um but i'm excited to see the changes and it's and great work is coming of it not being able to be in the studio with with these people is is not fun like that entire series that i did hmm. um uh, supernatural academy is what it's called i wasn't in the room with a single actor we all did all of our stuff by ourselves yeah um so we we didn't even get to do the series together but um i can't wait to actually do shows with everybody and see what that change looks like in the room is and what it's gonna look like is what the world looks like and that's what it should look like yeah what's awesome about that too is that it brings more people in not just into the room but also as viewers you know because for a long time like people thought of the cartoon domain yeah you know as that's for boys yeah you know and especially get older it's it's and like but now it's like no and that's for little white boys you know it's for everybody animation there is something absolutely i just everybody my wife and i just watched first episode of miss marvel last night which You watch it yet? No, I haven't. I haven't. But I was telling my kid, I'm like, it's "It's about a queer BIPOC teenager. She's like, oh my God. Yeah, it is so um, great. And she's so great. And her family is amazing. And I have seen some stills of the parents. Yeah. (laughs) I cannot wait. Yeah, no. He looks like my dad. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, you'll absolutely love it. And we we, we watched him like this is, 
it's so great to see these stories. And my the first place, just like you just said, my mind went to is imagine the kids that get to see this superhero right now. Yeah. That never got to grow up and see a superhero like that because it was me and 12 other white guys playing all of them, right? Yeah. And they didn't get a chance and they need to. And it's and that's what's exciting to see those changes. It's gotta happen. And I'm and I'm and I'm loving it. I I I think I'm I'm seeing stories I didn't know about. I'm seeing families and how they interact that I didn't know about. It's not how I grew up. And uh, and it's uh it's just exciting to see. And it's gonna it's gonna change animation, it's changing television, it's changing the way, you know, hopefully we see each other. It's causing, of course, you know, Nazis to spring out of the fucking woodwork ever. Oh yeah, the world, I mean, there's which it always will. The pushback, you yeah, know, to yeah. a lot of the changes of the social justice revolution that yeah. we're seeing. But it's also it's it's exciting. It, it's and it's so. God, is there a better word than cool? Probably is, but it's just so cool. Yeah. <laughs> to see the impact that the you know entertainment is having that yeah. film and TV can have. You know, yeah. rep representation totally does matter. Well, yeah. Well, and Invincible was you you know all about it. what a I know a little bit. Phenomenal. My husband series. did direct two episodes of it. Oh wow, it's yeah. such a great series. Um, I don't know. Some I'm, of the I'm, most <laughs> the most violence. Yeah. I think I've ever there's you've watched all of it. Yep. In the episode yep. and then the train and oh, like I know, that ended I and know. I turned to Paul and I'm like what is happening? I've in just this? never seen this much carnage in anything. In, 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 yeah, in animation. Yeah. In, no, in yeah. live action and well, animation. Well, you mustn't watch the boys. Uh, no, I I haven't watched the boys. Okay, yet. well, as carnage then is uh, is the boys, and wow, it's it's something else. Uh, it's it's pretty great to sort of see what's happening in that series too. They're sort yeah. of throwing you know uh, the whole uh, idea of superheroes on their ass, and which which is fun in, in itself, but. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where things will go. And, you know, 30 years from now, when I'm not doing any of this at all, and I can just get to see the the new people that are coming up, and I'm having a great time, you know, mentoring some. Mm. There's two young actors that have both booked series that I've worked with, um, and uh, 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 a Latina girl and a young Asian uh, actor that are both voice work that are just you know, doing phenomenally well right now wow. and to see them take off because they, you know, have a, uh, some, some, some proper, um, uh, training and, uh, and access now to yeah. the roles that, that didn't exist before. Yeah. Um, and access being the main one. I mean, you know, they could, they're, they're, they're great actors as it is, but you know, I can help tweak things to sort of in the audition room to, to, to book things, but incredible to see, uh, the new people and what it's just it's just upsetting still to me after two years to not be in the room and meet some of them because that's the most fun yeah. right i always like hey and what i love about the voice industry it's so welcoming to me like it's not sometimes you walk on a film set and you know well i'm on this tier here's where i sit you know right here by you know i'm at the bottom of the pile and oh don't talk to that guy or the you know it some a lot of people are great but there always felt like there were a lot more levels to f the film business even a bit yeah. in theater can feel a li little bit like that but i always felt in voice even though it was tough to kind of break in for some people once you walked in the room it was always 
very welcoming to the newest person. They'd be intimidated yeah. when you walk into a room filled with the, the Tabithas and Vincent Tong and, and Nicole and, and Adrian Petro, or whoever it may be. You'd be like, ah, as a new person. Adrian Petro, people yeah. intimidated by like, oh, Adrian. Oh, he's he just scared the hell out of you, that guy. You know what he's like, right? No. <laughs> Uh, no. He's like my no. brother. I know. Mi the, brat. Yeah. Um, no, I know he can guy. be intense. He can have some fire in his eyes. Yeah, but, no. Yes. And he's a great actor, too. But I mean, but it's lovely it, human. But just when you walk in and everybody, it's the intimidation isn't the people are intimidating. But when you see how they, they can just jump up and and they just bounce off of each other and throw ideas around and, f- and crazy stuff's happening and they talk over each other, but they know right when to start and yeah. stop and play. The newest person it could be. I mean, I was terrified on that first GI Joe because everybody was kind of doing that, and I was like, I can't even concentrate. I'm trying to think about my lines. I'm trying, <laughs> and everyone's just riffing. Yeah, and I didn't know how to even make it happen, but I sort of fought through that. And Sue Blue was like, "Shut up, everybody! Let him do his line." Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, I can't wait to be able to see some of these new people and be in the room with them yeah. and uh, just welcome them to, a, to what's a pretty fun industry. So we're going to talk to those new people in a yeah, moment. Yeah, sure. Uh, but before we do, mm-hmm. I want to talk about some specific characters. Okay. I don't actually know which specific characters we're going to talk about okay. because clearly there are at least 322. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, well, why don't we start with of Vegeta? Because yeah. that was the one that, and I did watch one cut that was all the different ways that the name can be pronounced. <laughs> oh, right. Because <laughs> yeah. am I saying it correctly? Right, is this right? Um, you know, but that one, like that that role, people people love Vegeta. People love Dragon Ball Z. I mean, we've had Kalamas in here as well, you know, oh, nice. ta- talking about, um, you know, the the fans and just yeah. being part of that world. You know, yeah. can, you, can you tell me a little bit about... Um, you know what that role has meant to you, and what uh, and you know kind of this kind of thing that you've because I know you've done conventions. Yeah, I saw some photos yeah. there. You know, like what yeah. you know in the the ways that knowing that your role is that your work is touching people. Mm-hmm. You know, in the way that it is. You know th- that it ha- the, the impact that that has on you. It's at the time no idea about what this show was about norwood peter or ian corlato played goku as well or myself i mean um we start we originated that that show here in vancouver back in the early 90s it was the very first anime i booked so i didn't even know was it what really? it was yeah so it's a, this is 1994 we get sent some sides and and someone says oh it's a he's an alien i'm like okay i don't even know if we got to see pictures yeah like if they just printed sides so i just thought he's an alien he's a prince of his own planet he's arrogant he's a He's a killer. He's mean. He, he, I was like, okay. Like, so I just tried to, I, I remember thinking, well, he's, and I said, he's diminutive in size. He's not that big. So I tried to make him sound a little smaller. I didn't even know he was sort of a muscly, powerful character. Like I didn't really see, or I didn't even know that he didn't look like a crazy alien. I think maybe when I walked into the audition, they might have pictures up, but so I just uh, played around with an idea and I, I, I booked the role. The show ended up moving after we did about, I don't know, Sixty-five, seventy episodes, and went to to Dallas, where it's currently done. But yeah, um, uh, that's weird enough thing as it is. It probably would have never moved had you know the internet existed as it does today, because no one would let that happen. They would have mm-hmm. been, you're not, you know. But for a fourteen-year-old has no way of 
contacting you know cartoon network or whatever at the time or mm -hmm. you know how are they going to be like the show the voices like they're writing letters and handwritten you know <laughs> sending them to a network just mom to, can you fax this <laughs> can you fax this <laughs> i'm really unhappy about these changes <laughs> but um but it did it you know money reasons they moved things and, and did it non-union out of texas and, and those guys are great we've met um so many of the people that uh, that currently work on the show i see them at cons all the time and yeah and they're phenomenal they've done way more than we ever did but um, although I did quite a bit of it that uh, still was seen all through Canada and the UK, Ireland, we continued to sort of a second version of it up here for a yeah. while. But uh, as far as what it means, I didn't think it meant much at all. It was another just role that I was working on out of many at the time that I put my best effort in and screamed my guts out when I showed up. But then in early 2000 or something, that whole over 9,000 thing, some uh, YouTuber cut together a clip. And it is a very awkward initial scene when he sees Goku and that his power level has increased more than he thinks it should. And 9,000 is actually pretty, is very wimpy. It's not a power level at all, but he sees that it's increased on his scouter. And I, I talk about this all the time at conventions that Carl Willems, who's still directing at Ocean, a great guy, we he directed me at the time. And he was probably, you have to match mouth flaps, which is weird to try and match them. And and the writers think, okay, well, the, it said, um, we're going to write, he says, it's over 9,000. He's surprised about his power level. But his mouth stays open longer. Then it doesn't just, I would, so I probably read it at first like, it's over 9,000 and stop. But is is like and Carl was like oh, actually his mouth's still open a little longer you got to hold that nine it's over nine thousand that's still longer really it's over nine thousand and I know and it just looks weird because he kind of holds the this something you wouldn't say that way so some YouTuber found the clip when it was out and and made a funny meme out of it and all of a sudden it became a thing someone was telling me. I ran into somebody at a convention, which I didn't even think was a thing. He's like, yeah, that over 9,000 is pretty cool, huh? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I don't even know. I don't even remember saying the line. Like, you forget a line and you do thousands of them in yeah. animation. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. when you wait, What Vegeta said, when when he saw Goku, he said that? Yeah, you said it. Oh, okay. Someone made a meme of it. What's a meme? Uh, they, 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 I, I'm like, I don't know any of these. I don't know any of this stuff. And they're like, well, they put it together. You sound a little bit like the grandpa rolls <laughs> that you were talking rolls. about. <laughs> but you think this is 2000 or, or nobody knows yeah. what we're talking, what any of these things are. Now we all do. But yeah. um, at the time, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, it's really cool. It's it's blowing up online. And people even say this in college right now. But girl's hot. You're like, yeah, man, she's over 9,000. I'm like, what? What does it mean? It means it's like, you know, it's powerful. It's like, it's a, okay, cool. And then I started getting invited to conventions more. And the show was blowing up in the States. And, uh, you know, it's and seeing s literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fans that said they got, even though we don't voice it now, but the reason they that the show took off is because just thousands of people were hooked into it because of what we did with the show and how it was just something that was not on television at the time. These guys just fighting and screaming and blasting each other. Yeah. That was not a cartoon anybody was watching. And and the parents would be like, what the hell are you watching in there? Turn that down. And it's just, <laughs> like, whoops, there's power-up noises and screaming and yelling and battles that would last yeah. four episodes. And it took off. And a lot of kids uh, that, well, they're not kids now, but there were kids at the time that uh, they'll come up to me and say, I 
ran home from school to try and see that. And I would pray my mom wouldn't have turned off the VCR that I'd programmed to, to record it if mm. I would get there in time. Oh, the eternal and I, struggle. I, yeah, I the struggle to try and get a show that you might miss. I had to see it because I needed to know what happened. But it got me through being bullied in school because, you know, Goku said this or Vegeta was like this. And he he would just he'd find the strength inside because it was always sort of you they would build the power within themselves mm -hmm. when they needed to be stronger. It wasn't like they had to go get something like go get the, uh, the infinity gauntlet. Then I'm strong. No, you it came from within or you'd go train. And there's lots of guys that are that are that MMA fighters and wrestlers and and football players that they they use that sort of growing up on Dragon Ball Z for their training because that's the other thing these guys would do they train to get stronger and it all mm. all it always came from within and and um, the amount of people that I've met that <laughs> just talk about how it got them through tough times I'm always blown away and I'm saying I you know I had no idea we were doing that we just wanted to make these characters real yeah and exciting and make the show cool and I'm glad you found that in it and some people find wow. it in different shows like Gundam Wing which is very different or Vision of Escaflown which is very, like other shows or Sailor Moon like you know yeah. different anime but some kids just found it in in this show it's amazing when I was on the YouTube on my Brian Drummond quest uh, <laughs> this morning I could not so some of the first clips cuts of that that I saw were like more than two million you know yeah. more than three million views you know and the dubstep mix that I mentioned is just one of like <laughs> dozens of mixes and I will yeah. include a selection of oh, those God. in the footnotes for this episode there's a lesson in that right yeah like I'm not sure what it is yeah because <laughs> because because obviously if if a writer producer was like, okay, we want that thing. We yeah. want to become a meme. So we're going to just always do that. Like, you know, you can't plan it. No, you, know? you can't plan any of it. I th and that's what, and I don't try to with anything I do. Any, uh, you know, there's even knowing that they exist. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm in nothing I do. I'm, am I thinking, well, I'm going to, you know, how can I make this go viral? It just does not even cross my mind. Yeah. I, and I think it shouldn't cross any performer's mind i think they mm. should just be thinking how can i make this real yeah. and relatable and keep my mouth fun, and, right? and match for the mouth flap being yeah, open yeah and match and match the <laughs> flaps somehow because that was right. a secret to the performance right it, it, yeah. it was it, it, it probably wouldn't have been nearly as well but and and also the secret is someone else who found it yeah who saw something go this is fucking hilarious yeah this is ridiculous like whatever and they might not have thought what i did was cool but they might have thought this sounds ridiculous hmm. um it's so ridiculous what he's doing i'm gonna make this meme and it it was so ridiculous that it got you gotta watch this this is hilarious watch this bit from from dragon ball z and then it goes spreads and spreads and spreads and then it becomes cool sometimes things that start ridiculous yeah. become cool right so wow uh, i don't yeah. know if it's just because my coffee has kicked in or we've said over nine thousand so many times but i <laughs> see there's something beautiful in that too you know that we even as viewers and fans can be part we're part of this ecosystem yeah you know so if we like something yeah to share it yeah. You know, and then because you never know where it's going to go. No. You know, it could mean that Brian Drummond has to be talking about it's over 9,000. Yeah, for, for the, the rest, rest of his, his life. life. <laughs> yeah, every con, I always start the con going, I've got a couple of these in me because everyone's the tape recorder. Yeah. And you're, can, we do, can you do just one for me? 
And I'm like, I got to work next week and yeah. I can only do this so many times, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll do a few this weekend and that's about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I want to talk to then the the emerging artist, you know, the one who wants to do the work that you yeah. do, yeah. which includes my 11 year old, which is hilarious because oh, she amazing. has grown up loving her auntie Nicole yeah you know the moment when she kind of she realized that auntie Nicole and princess Celestia were the same person was mm, like mind I, blown I had thought that that would be like a sad moment kind of be like oh because you know when we had gone to Nicole's house you know one of the first times and she has a lot of artwork you know yeah. beautiful fans are amazing and they she's are. been gifted some incredible artwork of uh, Princess yeah. Celestia and yeah. so we saw one of these and you know Mari was like four or five years old at the time and goes up to Nicole's like my mommy knows Princess Celestia too <laughs> and then Nicole's like yes I yeah. know her too you know so so I thought oh she's gonna know one day and mm -hmm. but that's not what happened at all because mm -hmm. my daughter's like wait you, that's you? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. How do I do that too? Yeah. You know, and so she's, I mean, she's done some classes, you know, online, especially during the pandemic. And yeah. I'm trying to be like, I'm like, okay, on the mic as a class, you're going to do a couple classes, you yeah. know? Yeah. But like, so there are a lot of people, you know, young people or, you know, older people who want to get into this or yeah. they're, they're told that they have a great voice or, yeah. or whatever. What are some, give me some, give us the some like, some solid, you know, what they could be doing, what they could be watching, what they could be doing with their instrument, all of that stuff. Yeah, you know, and that's because that's the what biggest, people want to know, right? Yeah, well, and that's the biggest part of it. Um, it's an instrument. Mm. And, um, but the instrument if this is like a saxophone that's sitting there that you own and um, or a guitar or whatever it may be, um, yeah, you can own one and we all do and they all make a slightly different sound, but how do you play it? Yeah, my husband has a saxophone from 25 years ago yeah. that he hasn't picked up in 25 years, Yeah, you know, it, it, but it's, it's there, it, looks nice. Exactly, exactly, and there's plenty of people with guitars <laughs> hanging on their walls yeah, that mm -hmm, they play th mm -hmm. three songs on, but how do you play it? And that's where the acting part comes into yeah. play. I think you have to, I think to, to do any character, it's, you have to understand emotions and you can't understand emotions if you don't understand your own. That's a part of it. And we oh, all Brian, this we, just got so deep. It got pretty well. deep. So there's, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of that that's involved. Yeah. Cause uh, viewers and or if, if it's listeners if it's just um not not visual and just oral we're not easily fooled mm. honestly i think we know real from fake yeah we just we just or like authentic tell. from inauthentic yeah, yeah yes and um uh, there's i know there's plenty of people that can make you know we know it's not real but it but our job is to make it as believable as possible. Mm. And I know like that can be bizarre. It's like, well, how do I make this talking squirrel as believable as possible? Have you voiced a squirrel? Uh, I've probably voiced 15 squirrels. But oh. <laughs> there's always squirrels and dogs, everything, <laughs> <laughs> every every animal. Um, but how do I'm you make- I'm obsessed with squirrels oh, right now. I'll tell oh, you about that. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. <laughs> but how do, you, how do you come up with something that's gonna make it seem real, make it seem believable? And that's where the, the um, learning about performance comes into play and it's and understanding acting 101 just some of the the basics about um 
feelings i think and 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 breath and when you when you and and where your voice resonates whether it resonates you know somewhere lower or was it whether it re- resonates somewhere higher and just the changes that that can come from that mm-hmm. um it, there's a lot involved and i don't think everybody that might want i just want to voice act uh, uh, can can do all of it yeah and some people do you know god bless them i hate their guts that just have beautiful voices that could walk right into any show and fucking book roles because it's like you sound amazing and i run into some fans like that that are like yeah Hey man, I just wanted some voice <laughs> acting, and I'm like, you, I'm I'm in love with your voice already because I can't even do what's coming out of your mouth, right? But they may not be in a place yeah. where they can uh, get work or whatever, and I'll yeah. I'll talk to them about performance and, uh, but to me, it's always come down to, and I can only come from my own experience and. Because I don't have this voice of God like uh, David Kay or someone like that. These guys that just mm. have beautiful sounding voices that that don't have that still do great characters, but can just sound amazing saying anything. And there's yeah. a few people like that. Um, I've got to play around with trying to sound <laughs> amazing at anything. So I I always rely on some of the things I, I learned in performance. Yeah, and Studio um, 58. I mean, I'm sure like that yeah. you're at the foundation of acting school. Yeah, they sort of strip you down and, and, and I mean, back then now, I mean, they're- they, Back then they literally ba- stripped they, you down. Back and- then it was, uh, you know, it was a lot more brutal. We started with 16, um, my wife included, there was 16 of us in our first term and three of us graduated. No! That was myself, my wife, and one other person. Like Kevin. Yeah, uh, No, Kevin, uh, actually Kevin did graduate, my best man, Kevin. He, uh, I remember he, that. He, yeah, he, he graduated as well. Yeah. Um, and um, actually five of us graduated, three without failing a term, and two that, uh, that didn't pass a term, but finished anyhow. Wow. And that means, what is that, 11 others that moved on now it doesn't mean they didn't move on to performing somewhere else but yeah. it's not that harsh anymore like the i think langara college was like okay um in order to pay the bills down here and keep the lights on we can't have two people graduating <laughs> it's much better for us if 16 people are paying tuition in this program yeah, yeah. not not two and the professors quit they're like but yeah, the acting like, but the acting is yeah, but what it's about, it's doing great things what about um like you know as far as like you're you're a, an emerging actor yeah emerging voice actor or somebody who just wants to do it yeah what role does watching the work play you know like to and and listening to voice performances yeah that's um i think it plays part of a role i don't uh, it didn't play any role really for me as yeah. a as a performer because <laughs> one of my favorite stories for for me is is um and this just adds the age is how old i am here is um when when the live action teenage mutant ninja turtles was being filmed here in vancouver mm-hmm. and they were casting roles and uh, voice roles to to voice the uh, the turtles i went out for i don't know all of them i think i was reading for different roles and and i had a I had a pretty good audition. I had a call back and they said, yeah, we, uh, it's great stuff, but we want you. At, but at the time, I also didn't have a TV. I wasn't watching TV. This is like, this is late nineties, early two thousands. I'm like, ah, it's too expensive. I'm not gonna pay for cable. Waste mm-hmm, it. Like, what mm-hmm, do I need it for? Mm-hmm. I wasn't hanging around watching shows like I am now. Um, so I didn't have TV, but they, they, they said, yeah, we'd like to come back and just sort of play around. We want him to sound a bit more. He's kind of like, you know, Chandler from friends. I'm like, uh, I know I've heard of this show. I could not tell you who Chandler was. I have no clue. I'm in a blockbuster video, you know, that night, trying to find episodes of Friends that are rentable, which there weren't many, to go home, to put in a VCR, to play, to try and find out what, till somebody says 
who Chandler is. Okay, that guy's Chandler. And then with a handheld tape recorder, trying to record when he says stuff and learn kind of what a voice of a who's a, who a Chandler is. To it's over that. nine thousand. Hey, I know. I'm, I'm like, how do you, how do you, how do you do this guy? I didn't get the part. <laughs> funny, funny thing. I did not get that one of the one of the turtles. But that's what it was. At the time, I'm sorry, but as somebody who's a fan of the turtles as well, I'm trying to like, like I'm imagining like Donatello being, <laughs> being, like, being, a Mug being like Chandler Bing. I'm like, that doesn't... and I think they just wanted the the, the sarcasm, the sarcasm, find, you know. And I didn't know what you know. They could have just said just said that. Be more sarcastic. Well, there's a lesson um, in that too, I guess. Yeah, right? so there is. is. So I, I think shortly after that, I got TV and said I got to start watching some stuff and being a little more invested in what's going on now, though. Uh, when actors tell me how do you find characters and find voices i'm like don't even give me a hard time about this it is so easy now you could literally go to all of the most famous voice voice actors and find their their demos you like at their agencies you could go to their websites if they have them i don't have one you could go to um yeah i noticed uh, that you can go to uh, <laughs> um watch any piece of animation anywhere and not have to watch the whole show you can watch clips scenes just that character just that like one. i could go chandler clip boom i'd have a thousand to look at to see who this guy was in seconds so it's so easy to find voices to come up with ideas and come up, up with characters now than it was before accents how hard it was to you need someone to train you on an accent like if i'm going to do an irish accent when i'm in when i'm in theater school i need it i mean an irish guy to come in and tell us how to do an irish accent yeah there's no how do you find that person there's not videos in Blockbuster about Irish accents. This doesn't exist. We'd maybe we'd spend hours in the library trying to find someone reading an Irish play that's Irish and go, oh, there's an Irish accent. Oh, but he's not from the area of Ireland. This accent's from. Mm -hmm. Now you could literally you could find any accent, oh, and and locals doing it. Not even just someone teaching you how to do it, but a local speaking it. It's so easy to find resources now yeah. to to um to build your own uh find your own way to play your instrument which you have yeah and i tell everybody to just dig into that stuff right now because you can find scripts online you can find voices online you can find animated characters you can find monsters critters animal sounds what you can find all of it in seconds and it's just up to you to start finding out how you play that instrument a little bit's going to come from acting and a little bit's just going to be come from having a cheap mic at home and playing around with what sounds it makes yeah. and it makes terrible sounds a saxophone may, sounds awful when you first pick it up mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. when you first pick up or when you haven't played it for 25 when years. you haven't played it for 25 years yes i guarantee if yeah. he picks it up it's gonna he'll he probably, only picks it up around christmas yeah he starts playing a carol and then i'm like stop stop, stop. it's a saxophone yeah. <laughs> Like like you haven't and... bought a new reed in 25 <laughs> yeah, years exactly. and it sounds that like it. crusty old <laughs> reed on there. But you can pick that up and and it's going to sound terrible, but you got to fight through that part. Yeah. Right. I just I was like, oh, that's awful. You know, I listen back to a character. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's awful. But you also have to keep those things that sometimes sound awful because sometimes for a certain role, they'll sound great. Yeah. Right. I'm always worried because my voice is getting raspy and it's got lots of texture to it that that'll happen with age that te more texture comes in than when i was young yeah. but you can 
now I can utilize that. I'm going, I've got to find ways to use texture and find ways that you can add age to things and, yeah. and or add actions That's to things. That's why you were Logan. Right? Like you, if you didn't have yeah. this particular instrument to begin with, though, and to learn yeah. to use it, you wouldn't have been Logan in yeah, so Logan. many projects. Logan had to have that sound that he was just angry all the time and have, have the rasp and have the, you know, and then be able to be angry and, and blow up. And yeah, it's... um. I don't know. I, I, I to the to the newest person, I say, go online and just and uh, take it all in and listen and play around and start with mimicking because it's it's where it's at, right? But yeah. that that can't be where it ends. Like we run a lot of people. Oh, I do a great Homer Simpson. I do a great uh, Fred Flintstone. I do a great whatever. I do great, you know, Vegeta. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, those roles are all taken. No one's going to say, do I want an exact. Homer for this, you can't do that. I yeah. want this role to sound just like Vegeta from the original. No, you're probably not gonna do that. We want you. But that's a great way to find out what your voice can do. Yeah. And then you've gotta be able to take that and act with it because no one's gonna give you the lines Vegeta already said. They're gonna say, here's this guy, his name is whatever. And I want you to read, he's gotta say this stuff in the middle of this scene, do it. And then, you, okay. and then you come up with your own <laughs> version, right? And that—that's—that's that, uh, that's so cool. That's where it is. That's where it that's is, so right? Fun. Yeah, I it can't is. Believe it's that, a blast. I mean, do you ever have these moments? This is actually my my last question, so it's like it's, it's a good segue into it. Yeah. Um, but do you ever have these moments where you're like, "What the fuck? This is actually my life. I get to do this. I get to play in this way." And if so, when do those happen for you? You know, um, with certain roles, I have a great one coming up on a show, which I'm not allowed to talk about yet. But I'm, but oh, there's, but well, there's, I teasing, know it's the worst. Brian. It's, it's the Ugh. worst. Um, but when you, but like booking Wolverine mm. or Doctor Claw or I've played Venom and uh, like Marvel characters that you I've played, Venom, and, that's right. yeah, and Spider Man Unlimited, like roles that I just. There's those ones where where you show up day one. I'm like, I I am this guy. How did that happen to me? And you know, even the first time. And I was I've, I have kind of I can do a deeper voice. So I've been doing a lot of Santas for a while. But when I when I booked the first time, I got to play a Santa Claus voice on anything. It's mm -hmm. like I'm, you know, I grew up watching so many of the the, the crazy old claymation. Love those, you know, yeah. all those with the with the great voices. And I'm like, I get to be this guy for some other kid that's going to grow up loving that episode of whatever the yeah, show they'll was. watch it every year watch it every holidays. year it's that one that they really love that's when oh. i is probably the most fun while working and at conventions um uh it's great to make money at conventions it's a great little side hustle i guess, I guess yeah. it is when you can go and, and sign autographs which i never thought would be a thing i'm like who in their right mind wants me to put my stupid name on anything. But who thought pop figures were gonna be a thing? Oh my God, I've signed thousands of those mm. and be collectible. But to, to hear um, the stories um, from young people that are now older, or especially there's so many amazing uh, fans that sit somewhere on the spectrum that, mm. that, that, that live their um, a lot of their lives through animation that and it gives them a community that did not exist yeah. 30 years ago there's no community you are it's like what is wrong 
with you and everything is right with you when I see so many of these people and they tell me the story and they know so much more about everything I've I've done and every line I've said than I can. So they're they're these amazing encyclopedic sponges for me that I can uh, that I just love to go you when they say what's your favorite line I'm like you know I have a million but I want to know what yours is yeah not to me it's it might be this one but I want to know what yours is and then I'll get a great story about I grew up and Zex Marquis from Gundam Wing meant this to me or mm -hmm. Alan Shazar from meant this to me and and this character meant that to me I'm like that is amazing I never meant to do that but I'm glad that it meant that for you yeah. and then it got you through a time that was a struggle or even not or and also that created this community because they might mm. come up to my table with 10 of them and some that could that could give a rip who you are because they're not into Dragon Ball Z they love Sailor Moon it's like oh, I don't like Dragon Ball Z I hate that show and and I love I love it when people are honest it's like oh, I'm not really into Dragon Ball Z or Death Note I'm like that's cool I mean you're into just dressing up and being here which is which is awesome in itself right yeah so that I love that aspect of being in a convention because those little pieces kind of put a smile on your on your face and it makes you feel like oh I'm not just for 30 years been do, being silly and stupid and not getting a real job and being you know you know wasting my time it's actually it yeah. touched a couple lives yeah okay that was going to be my last question <laughs> but then now i have one more okay and it's a it's a time travel question Ooh. we need to have one every episode oh, wow. and this is it uh and i i've chosen the day that we're going back okay too I, I that sentence was poorly constructed but work no, with that's me fine here. that's fine so we're going back to the day that you graduated from Studio 58. Yes. And it's you and your two graduates. Yeah. And you have a minute. <laughs> You've gone come back from this day. Yes. Going back in time to that day. Oh, wow. And you have a minute to give yourself some career advice. Oh. And I don't mean, you know, oh, you know, uh, go and buy yourself a sports almanac and then you're going to win. That. Like, no, yeah, no it's not okay. the back to the future thing. This is really about some words of wisdom that you can impart, you know, mm. that would either make the path a little easier for yourself or, you know, take a little bit of the pressure off or something like that. Wow. What would you say or would you not say anything at all? That is an option mm. too. Yeah. So that Brian from 1991 in the spring of 1991 is going to see me. He would probably first thing I would say is don't eat as much bread. <laughs> it's really going to pack on the pounds. Don't finish your kids' food because <laughs> when they don't finish that happy meal, you got to watch us. No, <laughs> but it's so uh, funny because uh, Nicole Oliver's <laughs> advice is always eat the bread oh is it eat the bread always oh, always oh. eat the bread oh gosh right um maybe maybe it <laughs> so should you're be. fucking up uh, already i wouldn't Brian. i wouldn't i wouldn't <laughs> probably listen to myself but I, I as a i think if i'm i would have been scared as a performer i've just finished school and now it's like make a living doing this yeah i think i would have um i don't know everyone always says tries to say be courageous and don't be afraid and that's um uh uh, probably where I would have been what what is I would have talked about that and don't um don't take um uh what you think is a failure personally because mm. it's not we always think that guy doesn't like me that producer doesn't it's it's not it just 
isn't. There's a thousand other reasons why you're not playing that role and a thousand other reasons why you didn't get the audition and a thousand other reasons why you didn't move forward in, in that area. And it's so, most people, they're not thinking about you. Mm. They're thinking about themselves. So put the time and effort into you and don't be afraid. Just jump into everything. And I think I, when I found voice over, I did that a bit more because I was maybe because it wasn't on camera and I wasn't in front of other people. I was less afraid. I was like, I can, I can just be crazy here because if I mess it up, they can just erase it or we can do another take. Yeah. Film is much more scary in that way that I was like, they just like, don't F this up. They just set, they spent four hours setting up that dolly and that yeah. lightning system. And I, I Chris can't. Haddock is right there in his hat. <laughs> he's, he's right there <laughs> watching and that dolly's coming in. We just yeah. want to get this walk and talk once, yeah. right? I've got it. We don't want to go back because I dropped that line. Yeah. But in voiceover, it, there was a lot more of don't be afraid. Just throw it out there and it might be stupid and not funny and ridiculous, but people are, will love it if you keep going and keep going with that. Love and that's it. what just, I think that's what's helped me have success. And it would have helped me earlier if I'd have tried not to be perfect, but just jumped in with the silliness. That's amazing. That's yeah. great advice. Wow. <laughs> wow, we're, wow. We're done. How does this happen? We're that's done. why your shows are so fun because they it's like. Are. Oh, a, I do want to say, because yeah. if, in case anybody wants me to. Uh, <laughs> To mention the squirrels, I've been feeding the squirrels. Oh yeah, uh, on my patio. Yeah, um, I started feeding one. She was massive at the time. She was pregnant, and then in the last <sighs> three months, she has these babies. Oh. and now like I go out every day and I give give them peanuts and hazelnuts and almonds and sunflower seeds, and they don't run away anymore when <gasps> I come outside. And and recently there have been like four or five on the patio at the same time. My husband hates them, hates oh. them because he's like they're rodents. I'm like. They're, they're tree rodents. They're, yeah, they are. Yeah, and they they've are. been around for millions of years yeah. and they're very cute. And um, yeah, that's and all. And they're so, very fun to voice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I just wanted, because in case that it was like, she said she's obsessed with squirrels and then there was no closure. There's the closure. There's the closure. There, There is, yes. And Nicole Oliver, who we've mentioned so many times. This episode yes. should have a Nicole Oliver drinking game. because It uh, should. Yeah. It, it but should. I'd send her photos of my squirrels all the time. I may have played Nicole's husband in more things than, more animated <laughs> things than anything else. We've been uh, uh, mom and dad in a lot of anime. It's close. It's close between uh, Nicole and me and Tabitha and me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Brian. Yes. Drummond. Yes. Where can people find you, follow you, celebrate you on all the socials? Wow, all the socials. I'm, but not I'm, your I'm, website. I'm, you don't not, have a website. I know. I'm no. I'm one of those guys that's you know. I've just got to settle down and and just do it. And I'm always like, I'm working. I don't, do I have to do it? I don't want to do it. I will. I promise. But you have Twitter. I mean, that's, get to, yeah. I like that you have Twitter, but I you do. don't have a website. Yeah. So I have um, Brian Drummond VO Twitter and Brian Drummond VO Instagram, which I do very little on, but I will try to do more. I'm more of a Twitter guy, I guess. But um, for now, those. But um, a website will come. Just watch. Yeah. Just watch. Yeah. Okay, just you wait. And the old man website with lots of <laughs> scrolling and stuff. And be like, who made this? <laughs> Ridiculous. You're a delight. You'll come back, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. We'll now, have if that you're, party. Right. you're invited to the next party, by the way. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I was going to ask, and I yeah. will come in costume. Yes. Okay. So we're talking a Star Wars party? It just or will like... be a party party. It might, it might, it's usually movie parties, is what we do. But the next party might not be because yeah. we're just probably going to do a big, a big, community get together somehow we'll talk to nicole we, we have to figure it out we said I we will. want to do something this summer but there'll be a movie one too oh yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean any kind of party yeah 
I come dressed up. <laughs> Good. The UBCP Actor Awards a few years ago, I just showed up as Wonder Woman. Why not? Not a member of the union. Uh, it wasn't a theme. I didn't care. You didn't care. <laughs> I I'm was there. Wonder Woman. Because I'm a child. All yeah. right. All right. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, listeners. It sounds like I'm thanking them more than I'm thanking you. I'm thanking no, you. No, well, equally. they're the ones that should be thanked. Yeah. Well, they do, they do. Actors are dime yeah. a dozen. <laughs> Listeners, they're hard to come by. So, so hard. And I appreciate you very much. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. Yeah. And then we can keep having conversations like Woot. the one we had today. I know. And I think this is episode 227. Wow. Yeah. So Unreal. Yeah. It's honestly, yeah, it's unreal. It's so many episodes. So many. What's the best one? What do I got to listen to? Oh, oh, the best one. I put it on a platter for you. You're supposed to say this one, but never mind. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I was taking. It was a dramatic pause, dramatic Brian. Pause. Don't you know anything? Um, no, my episode 100 is actually a really good starting point because yeah. I had Amanda Tapping, Nicole oh, Oliver, Sharon ooh. Taylor, and Michael Eklund. Oh um, my goodness! That was an incredible episode. Um, and uh, yeah, but but. Honestly, I love. I okay. I'll shout out to the voice, the voiceover community. Uh, anyone where I've got to have somebody like Vincent Tong, Adrian yeah. Petru, Rona Reese, yeah, um, come in here and just and and just sh you know sh show me a peek behind the curtain. Actually, no, I'm going to tell you the best one ever. It was Adrian uh. because. <laughs> He brought Bobka. Oh, he brought Adrian, Forrest. you kiss He ass. brought Veronica, and yeah, and I adore him. So. Oh, well, he is the best. Yeah. We a great idea. That I love that idea of doing one with a few people because uh, we yeah. just we bounce off each. It would be fun. I know there's not enough microphones, maybe, but hey, it would. Be I have a three blast. mics, and people can share. I yeah, guess. we can share. <gasps> oh we my god, we're gonna do that. Fun. Okay, okay, so we're gonna do that. Yeah, okay. absolutely. A group yeah. one. We'll all fit in here. We can we can make it work. If, yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Putting a pin in that. So keep listening, everybody, because that will be coming, and we're not telling you who it's gonna be, <laughs> but they're gonna be the best people ever. The, that capital T. Capital B. All right, gotta get through the credits. Why Bear Screen Scene Podcast, hosted, executive produced me, Sabrina Ronnie Merritt Ferminger, edited by Simon Ferminger. Fuck, I can't say my last name. <laughs> Special thanks to Mariana Ferminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Ferminger. See, I have to say that last name so many times. Paul Ferminger, technical support, and to Dane, not Ferminger Devlet, because he's not a Ferminger, just an honorary one. Oh. He did our original music. Why Bear Screen Scene is a division of our family company, Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut. Hey, filmmakers. Did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced, and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, Visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.